You're listening to the Well-Built Humans Podcast, brought to you by Well-Built Supplements, Well-Built Kettlebells, and Flanaflage. Yo, welcome to the Well-Built Humans Podcast, numero quattro. And in this podcast, it's just going to be a monologue. Why a monologue? Well, because uh, I'm just going to be quite frank and honest. I have some guests lined up, but it's been quite busy, as I'm sure you can relate in life. So I want to get something valuable out to the listeners out there that they can apply directly to their lives right now. In the interim, between getting the next guest on the Well-Built Humans podcast. Once again, this podcast is brought to you by Well-Built Supplements. Well-Built Kettlebells, the maker of the one and only Kettlebell Backpack which is selling like hotcakes. It's pretty cool all over the world, actually. And Flanaflage, where vintage flannel meets current camo. All right, so let's dive in. So today's topic is all going to be about muscle. What drives muscle to grow, to be retained, and and the mechanisms nutritionally uh, from an exercise standpoint and a lifestyle standpoint in order to keep and grow it. Because here's the thing. You know, when I look at and I when I talk about things in the health and fitness world, I tend to look at those through the lens of what the vast majority of people need. Okay, so there's always going to be outliers. There's always going to be people that will listen and disagree because they're an outlier. Well, this is for the vast majority of people. When we look at the vast majority of people, particularly in our country, in the American Western society, is uh, most people are overweight, okay? Uh, for most females, that means they um, carry too much fat and carry too little muscle in most cases. For men, oftentimes, when they are overweight, they can still carry a lot of lean muscle mass. Uh, so sometimes when it comes to getting to a healthier place in their life, for women, building muscle is incredibly important and losing fat, whereas men keeping muscle while losing fat is a little bit of of a different emphasis. The behaviors and stuff that that are recommended are virtually the same, so um, not to confuse people, but uh, men just, uh, you know, God made them with some different hormone structure and to be able to retain and gain muscle um, a little bit better and easier than women. Um, and God made women the way he made those, made them. So, so here, let's talk about the mechanisms that drive protein, or excuse me, that drive muscle gain and retention. So let's dive into the nutritional piece first and foremost. Okay, a lot of people think that you cannot gain muscle in a caloric deficit. Well, you can. I've seen it lots of times. Okay, it just depends upon the the deficit calorie deficit that you're in if it's too much of a deficit yeah you're right good luck gaining muscle um, if it's just enough of a deficit and it contains high amounts of of or optimal amounts i should say of protein intake or amino acids if you want to go down to the next level and and even more importantly, well, maybe not more importantly, but equally as important is the stimulus on the body is strength training, 
not cardio, not running, not yoga, not um, stretching, not uh, dancing or Zumba or uh, step class. Um, which the, and, and those aren't bad things. Those are good things. I'm just saying people get, the, the water gets muddied when people think of strength training. They think of anything of external resistance, and it's just not the case. Strength training is, is you're starting to get into intensities that require, um, you know, vi if you were to look at a textbook, you'd look at intensities of, that are like, you know, 75 to 80% or higher would be considered strength training. So when you're getting into rep ranges of less than 10, some would consider that hypertrophy still. Um, strength training would be even higher intensities than that. Um, hypertrophy, with is, which is building muscle, is typically in like the um, 8 to 12 rep range, which is probably going to be the yeah, 70 to 80% range of, of what you can do um, in a one rep max situation. Most people have no clue what their one rep max is, so I'm probably already losing some people right now. The point is that you have to match the intensity with your capability to be considered strength training. So for someone who's just starting out, that might mean um, that if you're going to do eight reps of an exercise, that you're not choosing a weight, even if it's your body weight, because your body weight could be uh, enough resistance in the beginning. If you're goal is to get eight reps, but it's, you're choosing a weight, even if it's your body weight that you could do 20 of, but you're only doing eight, you're missing it. You need to be choosing a weight, even if it's your body weight that makes eight reps hard where you might be able to do one more rep, leaving one in the tank for good technique and for the subsequent sets that you're probably going to do. You need to match that intensity. And this is a big thing where people hit these, you know, quote unquote plateaus in training in general is they don't continually challenge themselves to get stronger. In my experiences, particularly that's women, because um, for fear of getting bulky and whatever, which is nonsense. Um, for dudes, usually, I mean, they're, they're all about getting stronger. Um, now there's, you know, don't get me wrong, there's plenty of women that love getting strong because, and they're becoming quite influential because they're becoming the voice of, of, of great um, feminine physiques is they're very strong. Uh, and they're starting to show other women that you can be very strong without getting bulky because it's the truth. Um, so I hope that's making sense from an intensity standpoint when you are training and let's, let's focus on that word training for a second that you have to go into training. Uh, you know, it, it, exercise is doing things that are kind of fun, that you enjoy. Like, I, I've, I've started to enjoy weighted hiking because I, I created the kettlebell backpack. And um, so I'm like, well, shoot, I got to get some content. So I got to go do some of these things. And I've enjoyed it. Uh, it is a form of resistance training. Um, I would say cardiovascular training. And I enjoy it. It is not... Excuse me, I used the word training when I should have said exercise. It's a form of exercise, cardiovascular exercise, resistance, resistance exercise, whereas training is purposeful 
and with a primary intent in mind where most people need to gain muscle. So you need to train to gain muscle. You can't just exercise um, willy-nilly style and gain muscle. Doesn't work that way. You have to train to gain muscle. Okay, so men and women alike train to gain muscle. Even though men, you might not need to gain much. Even if you just retain while you lose the fat, you're going to be in a really good place. Women, you probably need to gain. Um, and in, at the worst case scenario, you retain. You do not want to lose muscle mass. Um, if you have a lot of weight to lose, say you got a 100 pounds to lose, 50 pounds to lose, are you going to lose some muscle along that journey? Yeah. Yeah, most likely you are. Uh, however, as a percentage of your body composition though, so say for example you lose 50 pounds, 90% of which is fat, 10% of which is muscle, when you get to your 50 pounds down, your body composition is going to be so far superior to what it was when you were 50 pounds heavier that your your uh, your hmm I'm tongue-tied right now. Your overall health situation, your overall body composition, metabolic situation is going to be so far better, even though you might burn slightly fewer calories because you lost a little bit of muscle along that journey. Um, that's that's quite okay. See, a lot of people don't understand that when you lose muscle, you lose metabolism. Losing muscle equals losing metabolism. When people think their metabolism slows after a certain age because of some mythical, uh, I turned 40 and my metabolism dropped 400 calories syndrome. It doesn't exist. What happens is we get lazy, we get sedentary, and we lose muscle. We're not as active. We burn less calories in the day, and then we have less of a basal metabolic rate, which is directly tied to how much muscle we carry. So when we lose muscle, we lose calories in the day. Okay, so that's why it's important, another reason, to strength train for the rest of your life. Because when you lose weight, when you lose 20 pounds, 30 pounds, 40 pounds, 50 pounds, and you retain as much lean muscle as you did when you were 50 pounds heavier, your metabolism will stay very similar to what it was. To contrast that, if you were to lose 50 pounds just by dieting and not doing the right kind of exercise, and you lose 50% of your muscle and 50% of fat of that 50 pounds, your metabolism is in a very different situation than if you were to strength train and only lose 10% of muscle of those 50 pounds. So now when you get to this 50 pound weight loss goal, person A who kept the muscle burns significantly more calories than person B who lost a lot of muscle. So when person B falls off the wagon because they didn't establish some healthy um, fitness habits, guess what happens when they start consuming more calories than they burn? and their metabolism has slowed. The energy surplus comes back faster because the metabolism has slowed. So when they gain weight, when you, if you've ever heard of somebody who, or known somebody, or maybe it was you, where you've lost a, a significant amount of weight by dieting and maybe doing some excessive cardio, and, and then you fell off your whatever diet plan and the weight came back on even faster, and then you gained it, 
gained all your progress back and then some. Well, that's why. Okay? It's math. The surplus was greater, therefore the weight came back further and faster because of math. Okay? If you have questions, you're just going to have to um, ask them on this thread of this podcast or email me. So now let's talk about, let's merging these two things together. So we have um, our nutrition, or we have our training, which we just talked about, which we started to dive into basal metabolic rate and, and stuff like that. But nutrition, this is this can be so simple. I'll, I'll, I'll break it down and do a few basic things at the end. Nutritionally speaking though, we cannot be in too much of a deficit. Too many people who go on a weight loss journey just go, okay, I'm gonna download my fitness pal, I'm just gonna start tracking my calories and I'm gonna put the default goals in. And my fitness pal will default you to 50% carb, 25% protein, 25% fat, and and you, because you want the progress to come fast, you put it at a two pound weight loss per week. Right, right, because that's, because that worked last time, right? The last time that you lost the weight and now you're having to do it all over again. You see, <laughs> if it worked last time, yet you're having to do it again, it didn't really work last time. Make sense? If, if you have to do it again, it didn't work the first time. So, when you're going from a nutritional standpoint, the best thing you can do is get assessed by somebody who knows what they're doing, step on some sort of body composition machine, whether that's a bod pod, hydrostatic weighing, which is starting to get a little bit old school. Um, an in-body machine are, is great, super fast and easy. Um, a DEXA scan is probably the best thing you could do, although it's gonna cost you a little more money and not they're not very accessible. But get assessed. So you have a starting point that you know where you're at and it can be reassessed so you can assess progress. And, and, and quite honestly, you can have some accountability along the way. Good night. You shouldn't run from accountability when it comes to these things. The best athletes in the world have numerous coaches. What makes you think that you don't need one? Can it be done without one? Absolutely. And, and, if, and if you're dead set on doing it on your own, well then, listen to the things I'm talking about in this podcast and go do them because you will get results. So here's a better scenario. If you're not going to get assessed, which is silly, but if you're not going to because you're a stubborn mule, then take your body weight, times it by 10. If you're really active, times it by 12. Say you have a um, a physically a manual labor job where you're on your feet and moving and grooving all day long and you're gonna exercise on top of that train and you're gonna strength train on top of that then then multiply it by 12 and that should be your calorie target for fat loss and then from your macronutrients go into your into your my fitness pal or whatever app you're using and customize your macros to at least 30% carb, 30% protein, 40% fat. You could also go 35, 35, 30. 35 carb, 35 protein, 30 um, fat. 
or if you're gonna, if you're a little bit more on the sedentary side, like you're just gonna strength train, but you have a desk job, you could go 25% carb, 35% protein, and 40% fat. Okay. Here's the thing that you're gonna notice when you start tracking is you don't eat enough protein. You see, amino acids are the only thing that build muscle. I mean, it, you know, don't get me wrong. There's, there's carbohydrates, there's micronutrients, and other things that are are necessary, but the main ingredient is protein, broken down amino acids, okay? And a, and a good rule of thumb, it's been said for years in the bodybuilding community, is a gram per pound of body weight. If you're 200 pounds, eat 200 grams. If you're 150 pounds, eat 150 grams, okay? You get the picture. Um, and you can eat more than that. Like when you do the math with your macros, you're going to find that it's about a gram per pound plus or minus, you know, 10 grams. Um, it's going to be close to your body weight. Uh, and for some of you, it's going to be more than your body weight. The common theme is it's probably more protein than you've eaten before in your life. So there's an adjustment to that. But the thing is, you have to understand that protein is what builds muscle. If you don't eat enough protein and you're strength training, you're doing all these things, you will not gain muscle. Okay, you might retain it a little bit better because you're strength training, but you're not going to gain it or retain it as well if you match both habits of eating optimal protein and strength training. Okay, so make sure you're doing those things. Make sure you're eating adequate, excuse me, not adequate, optimal protein and strength training. And then make sure you get some good sleep and make sure you're you know, making other good nutritional decisions. But in the end of the day, if you do those two things, three things. If you're in a caloric deficit, if you're eating optimal protein and you're strength training, and if I were to add a fourth thing, if you were to sleep seven plus hours a night, you'll be hard pressed to not get some pretty fantastic results. So long as you're not a quitter, you're not a patty cake and wuss bag, as I say in our, my kettlebell collective community, quit being a patty cake and wuss bag. Just stick to it. I know the habits haven't been forged in you yet, in most people yet. We know that. Just look around you. People are wearing it on their sleeves all day long. I don't say that to condemn or, or um, make fun of anybody. But isn't it time to stop being a patty cake and wuss bag? Isn't it time to toughen up a little bit? Isn't it time to become a little bit more disciplined? Isn't it time to stop listening to your excuses and finding the excuse to win? I think you know the answer to that. It's time. Summer's coming up. Use that as a lame excuse to get your booty in motion, to get your nutrition in a deficit, because if you're listening to this, you, you probably need it. No offense. Just being straight with you. Eating optimal protein. Start dialing that piece in. This doesn't have to be done tomorrow. Start working towards these things. Start strength training at minimum three days a week on non-competitive days. So go Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Okay? And then build that frequency more towards five times per week. Go to bed at night. Nothing gets accomplished after 9 o'clock for most people. What gets accomplished is scrolling and trolling 
and Netflix binging, that all that stuff that eats away at your sleep and the next day you feel like a turd. And, and when you feel like a turd, you make poor eating decisions, you feel like crap all day, and then you don't work out. Go to bed at night. Go to bed at night. Embrace these disciplines, and guess what? As Jocko says, discipline equals freedom. The more disciplines, you know, people avoid discipline, I, I, you know, um, for reasons, uh, simply because there's, a, there's a, one of my favorite quotes is a known bondage is more comfortable than an unknown freedom. Most people are so in bondage to um, some not so healthy habits that they don't even understand or um, appreciate what they could be experiencing with the freedom that they do not know because of the discipline they have not yet discovered. Discover these disciplines and you'll experience much more freedom in your life. So there you have it. Get in a deficit, strength train, get sleep. And that's about it. Optimal protein, that's the other one. Calorie deficit, optimal protein, strength train, get some sleep. Pretty simple. I mean, you can make it more complex if you want to. I mean, that's what most people want to do. But you do those things, man, you're going to be in a good spot. If I can help you out, you know what to do. Contact me. All right, thanks for listening to Well Built Humans podcast number four. I don't know what I'm going to title it yet, but we'll come up with that later. God bless you. We'll catch you on the next one.